Welcome to another edition of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'm your host, Gazette Hawkeyes reporter, John Seppi. I am excited to be joined by Doug LeMaurice of Cleveland.com, columnist there, and somebody who gets to see a college football offense that is not dead lapsed. Yeah, uh, I'm almost excited to see Iowa's offense up close because I want to see what a dead last offense looks like, but yeah, Ohio state's more like first uh, in offense. So yeah, quite a, quite a contrast. Well, let's start with talking about Ohio state's offense. That's probably going to be the more interesting dynamic of a matchup. I think we all know what's going to happen to Iowa's offense versus Ohio state's defense, but let's start with the more interesting one. CJ Stroud. I think everyone saw the highlights from last year, Heisman candidate. Seems like he's really off to another great start. Yeah, he's moving around sort of in the pocket and outside the pocket a little bit more. One of the bigger throws of the season in uh, the Notre Dame game in week one was CJ getting out of the pocket and making a throw on the sideline. We know he he processes and delivers accurate passes better than any quarterback that I've covered in 18 years of Ohio State. He is a high-level thinker. He is a really accurate thrower of the ball he's not a dynamic athlete so he's better this year at he's never really going to run but he's a little bit better this year got in the weight room you know kind of up the athleticism a little bit throw to run kind of thing but most of it is ryan day as a play caller cj stroud as a you know guy with a computer chip in his brain assessing what's going on and then throwing it to i Jackson Smith and Jigba, their best receiver, arguably coming into the season, the best receiver in the country, has played like a half of a game. He played some against Notre Dame and then a little bit against Toledo. Um, even without him, they they probably have the best receiver group in the country, and he might be back for this game. But CJ's best sort of been distributing the ball and uh, high level play, high level play, little little clunky early, but the last several weeks has kind of found his groove. And I was doing my typical five players to watch story on Monday on Ohio State. And as I was researching, it seemed like there were five receivers to watch. Mm. When you look at how deep this receiving core is, at least for somebody who's used to covering Iowa, seems like Ohio State has a lot of options. Yeah, Marvin Harrison Jr., son of the Hall of Famer. Uh, Second-year player, broke out in the Rose Bowl last year, otherwise didn't play very much last year. I think he still leads the nation in touchdown receptions, has nine just a big bodied guy. That's a little different than a lot of the Ohio state receivers they've had through the years can go up high catch point, you know, will catch contested passes, that kind of thing. A Buka, who is a, also a second year receiver was the number one receiver recruit in the country from Seattle, smooth, uh, able to play inside and out. And then Julian Fleming, who's a third year guy who also was the number one receiver recruit in the country. He's battled injuries his whole career. He's a little more physical, um, kind of an, another like big bodied guy, but not like Marvin Harrison, not like a go up and get it more like a sort of run through guys receiver. And then Jackson Smith and Jigba, who should be their slot receiver has had this lingering hamstring injury that everybody, it was always sort of week to week. And it was this anticipation that maybe they just get him to the buy and Ohio state was on a buy last week, just like Iowa was get him to the buy, give him all that time, soft tissue, let it heal. And they're not saying that he'll be back on Saturday, but it, it, it has felt like all along, maybe that's what it was trending toward. And again, he's just been no factor. And as hard as it is to believe they kind of haven't missed him that much. 
because Emeka Buka is, is averaging, I think, 109 receiving yards per game. He primarily has played in the slot with Jackson Smith and Jigba out. But if if JSN is back, then Abuka will slide outside. They'll start Harrison, Abuka, and JSN, and then, like, what's up? And by the way, they have this tight end named Cade Stover, who they're throwing to a little bit this year, who's like a physical, a physical blocker that you weren't sure about his hands, and he's shown great hands this year. So multiple, multiple options. You know, my favorite stat of this matchup is for every one touchdown that Spencer Petrus has thrown, or yeah, every one touchdown from Petrus, there's been 12 for Stroud. So that kind of tells you what this game is like. Yeah, I've been dorking around I'm, uh, with a, a, a stat that I'm creating. It's like third grade math, but it's <laughs> taking a team's offensive touchdowns to their punts. So this season, Ohio State has 41 offensive touchdowns and 19 punts. And Iowa has seven offensive touchdowns and 42 punts. So that is another fun stat. <laughs> I'm a little surprised it's only 42 at this point. It feels like it should be higher. How about that? It's only 42 punts. It's not 71 punts in six games for Iowa. It's only 42. That's hilarious. Oh. Uh. Like I was looking in the record book earlier this year to see what's the record for punts in one game. And it's something like 16 punts, which, okay, I don't think we're going to see, but if there's any game, we might see it here. But while we're still talking about the Ohio state offense running back, seems like there's a little bit of injury uncertainty. What's the latest with Mayan Williams? Yeah, so both Trevion Henderson and Mayan Williams have missed time this year. They've each had games where they've had to be the workhorse because the other guy was out. They've had other games where they split it. Mayan Williams missed the last game, but it doesn't seem like a long-term thing. So Trevion Henderson's second-year five-star, led the team in rushing last year, over 1,200 yards as a true freshman last year. Everyone anticipated him being the clear number one guy this year, but Mayan Williams has played really well, more of a physical runner and of note for people watching this game, listen to this podcast, originally an Iowa state commit in Ohio state. He's a third year guy. They were really in, they thought they were going to get B John Robinson. Who's now the, the third year running back at Texas. And they missed on B John Robinson, that recruiting class. They missed on another guy. And then after they missed on their top targets, they kind of doubled back. And Mayan Williams is an Ohio kid that they've been talking to, but he was an Iowa state commit. It was kind of like Ohio state didn't have room for him. And then all of a sudden they did. And so he had looked pretty decent in small flashes, but he really, they really have co-number one running backs now. And even though they've both been banged up a little bit, it really hasn't hurt Ohio State because either of them can be a lead guy, but when both are healthy, you'll see both of them. And, and I, you know, he, he could have been, he would have been the guy to take over for Brees Hall, I think, at Iowa State. He would have been the next guy up, and instead, uh, Mayan Williams is doing it in Columbus. And I was looking at his stats and it's insane. I think the worst yards per game he had is like 5.8 or something like that. Yeah, a, a lot of it is, I mean, he's 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 physical. He's hard to tackle. He's all thighs and shoulders. Like you can't get your, and he runs through tackles. But this offensive line is playing really well. It's thin and they've been healthy, which is really important for them. But there are two tackles. Paris Johnson Jr. is going to, at left tackle, is going to be a first round pick is a junior five-star. Dewan Jones at right tackle out of Indianapolis, fourth-year guy, second-year starter, diamond in the rough. 
projects as an NFL player at this point, huge guy who's been slimming down. And then they have a five-star left guard uh, in Donovan Jackson. They have a borderline top 100 recruit at center in Luke Whipler. And then Matthew Jones is their right guard, a fifth-year guy. The, the offensive line, there's a no offense to Mayan Williams or Trevin Henderson, but the way this offensive line is playing, a lot of running backs would be having success behind them. And Ryan Day has gone to the run more this year. They are not, they're throwing for about 60 fewer yards per game than they did a year ago, but they felt like they were a little unbalanced last year, even though Travion ran for 1250 and they wanted to dedicate themselves more to the run game this year. And they have done that and it's worked. Wow. Yeah. I think those are foreign numbers for Iowa fans. And I think that's probably a good segue into the Iowa offense versus Ohio state defense matchup. I think a lot of this, Ohio State has a great opportunity here at the line of scrimmage, and it seems like they have have a formidable defensive front. Yeah, the front four is playing a lot better than a year ago. Last year, they were vulnerable to the run. Oregon ran them over, they lost. Michigan ran them over, they lost. Jim Knowles, $2 million a year defensive coordinator, poached from Oklahoma State, has revamped everything defensively. And they're, they're getting good play up front. The guy to watch is a second year guy named Mike Hall Jr. Who's a Cleveland kid, really good with his hands, dynamic pass rusher inside at defensive tackle. And then two, actually three good ends, uh, all five-star recruits. One's fourth year, Zach Harrison, who's been a good player for four years. And then um, JT Tumaloao and Jack Sawyer are both sophomores. And those three take up the two end spots. You'll see Jack Sawyer stand up and move around sometimes it's kind of a new thing Jim Knowles is trying this year, but that is the, that is a big step up um, from a year ago when a lot of people thought they could run on Ohio state last year. And this year, that's not the case. And that could be especially interesting considering how rough it's been for Iowa on the offensive line where you have, especially in the interior, a lot of youth. So that'll be an interesting matchup and really talking to, Iowa's players and Kirk Ferentz, it's clear they have a lot of respect for what Knowles has done schematically at Ohio State. What's been kind of the biggest pieces of that change? Yeah, so the, so this Jack position, this stand-up defensive end, gives teams uh, a different look. Jim Knowles has called it a safety-driven defense. So there's three safeties on the field, two deep safeties and a cover safety in the slot that they really rely on and they they're doing a much better job than a year ago, disguising coverages, pre-snap, post-snap, changing things up, trying to keep quarterbacks off balance. They had been a team where they dipped defensively in 20 and 21, but like in 2019, when they had Chase Young and Jeff Okuda, who went on to be the second and third picks in the draft, you know, back in the days when they had the Bosa brothers and they had cornerbacks like Marshawn Lattimore and Denzel Ward, they played a four man front let their ends beat tackles and played man coverage press man on outside and said, you can't block our ends and our corners can cover your receivers. And when you have first round talent, that's kind of all you need to do. And then in, in 20 and 21, they didn't have first round talent and the scheme didn't help them. So now they're trying to have a scheme that even if you don't have first round talent, it's going to confuse quarterbacks. It's going to keep them off their rhythm, but also they have some better players too. So that's the main thing. And they're getting the linebackers downhill. There's a guy named Tommy Eichenberg who's going to show up on Saturday, who's kind of like a try hard Ohio kid who was fine last year. 
and he's like shot out of a cannon now. Jim Knowles, he has really adapted to Jim Knowles' system. He diagnoses stuff really quickly and gets downhill. Steel Chambers, their other linebacker, the only two play, back, play two backers. They both get downhill and attack, which had not been what Ohio State linebackers had been doing. And so um, that front seven is much better. And this is not great news for Iowa. The way to attack this defense is to throw on them because the biggest question mark is at corner. And they've had some major issues at corner. And what we always end up saying here is, well, who in the Big Ten is going to make them pay for that? And the answer is nobody because it's the Big Ten and there's no quarterbacks in this league. So maybe J.J. McCarthy in Michigan. But again, now listen, you know who made them? You made you know who made Ohio State pay five years ago? Nate Stanley, brother. He had a, that was the best game he ever played. Four touchdown passes against Ohio State. So like if if. Spencer Petrus can conjure some old Nate Stanley here. This would be a time to do it because that is where you can try to attack them because they've been losing a lot of 50, 50 balls in the air. They're there and they don't make plays on the ball. So if your receivers can go up and get it and your quarterback can give you a chance, that's the way to get after them. I don't, does that sound like something Iowa could do? No, maybe not. No, probably not. No. Okay. You know, Petrus could have the game of his life. You know, it's possible. I'm not going to rule anything totally out. He, no, you can rule it out. Go ahead and rule it out. It's fine. <laughs> you can rule it out. Yeah, I can pretty much rule it out. Like the <laughs> one thing that Iowa has going really for it is the tight end strength. And that kind of reminds me a little bit of 2017. Oh. Where you have Samuel Porta is an NFL caliber tight end. Wu yeah. could potentially get there by the end of his Iowa career. So you've got two guys there. But if the ball is getting spiked to the receiver or overthrown or Petrus is hit as he throws and he doesn't get his timing down, you mentioned rhythm. That's been a problem in particular. Yeah, this probably is not the team that can exploit that weakness. But 17, right? I think Fant and Hawkinson both had two touchdown receptions against Ohio State in that game. Undressed the Ohio State linebackers, which we knew were an issue going into the game. And I was like, yeah, it's an issue. And absolutely took advantage of that mid-range passing game. Um, this is the best. Jim Knowles said this this week. Ohio State played Michael Mayer, uh, Notre Dame tight end in the opener. And I thought did a really good job on him. Double covered him. Linebacker in front, safety and back, mixed it up. A lot of different guys on him, never made it easy. He had one catch that mattered. Otherwise, they pretty much took him out of the game. And then, you know, Noel said Laporte is the best tight end they faced since Mayer. So, but again, this is a defense that when they were faced with a challenge like that, they handled it. And again, like that Notre Dame team didn't have great receivers, didn't have a huge threat at quarterback. So they could really focus on Mayer. And when they focused on him, they shut him down pretty well. So, Maybe not a great sign for Iowa, but if you want to hang your hat, Iowa fans, hang your hat. Listen, I just want people to know, like, the idea that that these teams have not played since 2017 because the pandemic wiped out the scheduled game in 2020. It's just a weird wrinkle. And Ryan Day was the first was a first year offensive coordinator at Ohio State in 2017. And he was asked about that game this week, and he said there's still a scar there. Right, that was a devastating loss for Ohio State. Urban Meyer looked as shell-shocked as I'd ever seen him. There's two moments of Urban Meyer being absolutely shell-shocked. One is losing to Michigan State in the Big Ten Championship game in 2013, and one is getting blown off the field at Iowa in 2017. Like, the, we were asking, I I wrote after that Iowa loss, like, it is, is the 
Ohio State program, like crack is the crack, the foundation cracking. You know, that was an absolutely devastating loss. Now, I think there's only one Ohio State player left from that team, but it's just weird that they haven't played since then. And so Iowa can hang its hat on that, that this is this is a ghost that still haunts Ohio State for sure. Now, the flip side of that is when you have that ghost still in recent memory, that maybe can leave somebody a little more fired up. Not that that is going to be the difference when you look at the major talent differences, but you do have the flip side of that of, okay, maybe there's a little bit of extra motivation. Yeah. I mean, it's not, they're having to tell stories of it, right? Because again, like some of the coaches were here, Ryan Mm -hmm. day was here, Kevin Wilson, who's the offensive coordinator was here. I think Tony Alford, the running backs coach was here. The players weren't here, but, but they are off offering it as a reminder. You know how this works, right? It's like, Hey, you look, it's like, Hey, look, I was offense. That stinks. And it's like, Hey, 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 you got to get everybody to focus in 2017. Ohio State was flying high and Iowa ruined its season. So like they are definitely using that to make sure nobody is is overlooking Iowa and not getting too hung up on a the horrible, horrible stat sheet when you look at the Iowa offense. Horrible. Awful. Yeah. Awful. Awful. I go and I'm, I'm hung up on the stats. It's okay. I'm hung up. Like I'm dismissing Iowa, but they're trying to they're trying to say that they're not. I, to be clear, I and I want people to know that I did pick Iowa last in the West in the preseason big 10 poll, which we conduct at cleveland.com because the big 10 is too afraid to do it and doesn't want to hurt feelings. So we conduct it. And I don't know if I gave Iowa it's only last place vote in the West, but there's a lot of things that I get wrong. I I've got this right. I thought Iowa coming off a big 10 championship game appearance would stink and Iowa does stink. So I'm patting myself on the back for that. And if I remember correctly, the reason why you thought they would stink is because of this offense led by Brian Ferentz. I think that that would be a fair way of of couching that. Yes. I thought the Brian Ferentz, Spencer Petras combination would drive this team straight off a cliff. And that has been correct. Yeah. You look at three and three, Kurt Ferentz even outright said it, that that's not what they were expecting at this point. And if they had any like any just little bit of offense, this could be a five and one team. Like the Illinois game, they had opportunities to win and didn't. You look at Iowa State, they had opportunities to win and didn't. This Ohio State team, you're not going to have that margin for error. Oh, goodness, no. No, for sure, no. I mean, the, the, again, Iowa scored seven offensive touchdowns this year. I mean, Ohio state might score seven off might score seven offensive touchdowns on Saturday. Right. I mean, that's what, that's what Ohio state does. And listen, I know it comes across as me sounding like an Ohio state Homer. I'm really not. I'm just so disgusted by Kirk Ferentz letting his kid, his unqualified kid run the offense that it makes me angry at Iowa. And so normally I'm not so sarcastic and dismissive <laughs> of an Ohio state opponent. Cause I don't care. I mean, I don't, I don't get paid who wins or loses. I don't, I didn't go to any of these schools. I don't, I don't, I'm just talking about a football game, but I find it at, at, to be an affront to the good faithful fans of Iowa and to the citizenry of the great state of Iowa. And I'm not saying that sarcastically at all. My wife's whole family is from Iowa. I have loyal, loyal Hawkeye fans in my family. And maybe that makes me extra mad because on behalf of them and everybody else in that state that cares about football, you can't let your kid do this, man. It's, it's embarrassing and it's 
this is uh, something that the, the, the Iowa football program matters to the state and it matters more than Kirk wants to get what he wants to give his boy. And it's, it's, an, it is, it's an affront to people who put good, hard-earned time and money into caring about a team. And we all know it's the same in Ohio. It's the same in Iowa. It's the same in Nebraska. It's the same in Minnesota and Wisconsin and all these Big Ten states. Your, your state university football team is a state institution. And why should any of us allow such nepotism and incompetence to exist over an extended period of time? It's not right. It's just not right. And it makes me mad. And so it makes me be extra sarcastic about Iowa football when I think Riley Moss is a great player and Jack Campbell's a great player. And I know Xavier Wampa was a great recruit that Ohio State really wanted. And I respect all those guys out there busting their butt to do a good job and the great players that have come through Iowa, but it's a joke, dude. It is a joke what the Ferentz family is doing to that offense. I think whenever Ohio State ends up playing at Iowa with the way that the scheduling gods have made it, it might be 2031. I don't think you're going to have to buy yourself a drink in Iowa City after that. No. Listen, and I'm not, I'm just old and I've been around I've been around almost as long as Kirk Ferentz has been, and I respect the record. I do. And if you were just losing, then you're losing. But to be losing this way, in a way that seems to put something personal ahead of the program, um, I can't stomach it. And I, I mean, I can't stomach for, I, I just can't stomach for the, for the people because I just know, I know the people in my family who care so much and give so much support to this program. And like, it's not fair man. Like it's just not, it's not right. And so I hope it ends soon. However it ends because Iowa and as he's won, I, I respect that he has, but there's no reason for them to be this good on defense and this good on special teams and this terrible on offense. And it can't be tolerated. That's the incredible thing too, is you look at it defensively. If you compare rankings, which of course is a far from a perfect world because two different situations, but Iowa's defense ranks similarly to Ohio State's defense. Iowa's special teams, that's probably the one aspect of the game we haven't talked about. Iowa's special teams probably rank better in most Mm -hmm. years than Ohio State's special teams. It's been a trademark. LeVar Woods is probably a future head coach somewhere. Who knows how soon that'll be, but I think that time could be coming soon. So you look at it two out of three phases of the, of the game, you would think that this could be a competitive Iowa-Ohio State game, which there have been past competitive games. But when you have oh, one Ricky phase Stanzi, of the game, baby. Ricky Stanzi. Oh, they've been great. The Terrell Pryor era at Ohio State, Iowa gave, gave Terrell Pryor and Ohio State consecutive years everything they could handle. Unbelievable games. With real Iowa offenses, unbelievable games, ton of respect. Iowa at its best absolutely deserves respect. And and when Kirk Ferentz has been at his best, but I just don't think you can be at your best when you're letting your kid run the offense. And you look at it, there's one case to be made if the offense has been succeeding, but 131st out of 131 teams in total offense That speaks for itself. And I think 127th in points per game out of 131 teams. So do you have a score prediction yet? 
I'm going to go um, 81 to minus four. <laughs> Can you score negative points? I'm not sure. Can you score? Actually, that's it won't be 81 because Phil Parker's a good coach and the, mm -hmm. the Iowa defense is real. And I'm really curious. Listen, I also do think it's possible, and I'm trying to do some research on this. I don't know that it's too much to say that Kirk Ferentz has never faced a passing offense like this because the Big Ten does not produce quarterbacks. Yeah. And the Big Ten did not have a first-round quarterback between Kerry Collins in 1995 and Dwayne Haskins in 2018. And Iowa has never seen the full effect of the Ryan Day Ohio State offense because JT Barrett, Barrett running that offense, as great of a Buckeye as he was, is not the same thing as what this offense has become throwing the ball with Dwayne Haskins, Justin Fields and CJ Stroud and Iowa hasn't seen it. So, and, and Iowa historically, I was trying to look up since 2018, how many programs has Iowa faced that averaged 300 passing yards per game. And it's basically just Purdue and Purdue throws all over Iowa. Yeah. So there's, there's some idea of like, Oh, well, you know, Iowa, whatever. And it's like, yeah, but they don't ever face people who can throw the ball. And no. when they do, David Blau and Aiden O'Connell and people like that take him apart. What do you think CJ Stroud's going to do? So, like, I respect, I respect a lot of what Iowa does. I just think it's a terrible matchup for them. And throwing the fact that the offense is going to be three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, and it could get ugly. So, what's the line? Is like 28, 29, which yeah, is, I mean, I, I'd probably give that. I'd probably, I'd probably, I don't, I mean, I was, Ohio State scores 50 before you blink. You know, I'm probably more in the range of like 45 to three or like 42 to seven kind of thing, but I still think it's an Ohio State cover. I don't think they'll score 50, which would be, which is a nod to the Iowa defense a little bit. Yeah. My score prediction right now is 42 to 10. And I think the touchdown with that 10 will be in garbage time. But, I think is that is, but isn't that the whole, isn't it every time the Iowa offense takes the field, it's garbage time. Is that what we just call it? <laughs> if Brian Ference is calling the plays, it's garbage time. That's just me. No, don't, don't bring that back on John. That's just me being a sarcastic ding dong. Sorry. <laughs> You're going to get in trouble for this, right? Do you, are you going to get negative? Are you going to get, are you, or you said, are you and I going to drink for free because you let this guy come on and just rip Iowa up and down? I think I'll at least probably get a drink for free. We've okay. reached the point of the season where people are anonymously sending me either clippings with their writing on top of the photos of Brian Ferentz or anonymous okay. letters. So we've gotten to the point that I think most fans would, yeah, be thrilled that I let you on here. Oh, oh, good. Okay. Well, I, and I'm here. And again, I, you, you got to stand up for the fans, right? That's <laughs> what this is all about. These people put in their time and their money, the two most valuable things on earth, right? I mean, your time, you go out on Saturday, you fight traffic and you sit there and the seats are expensive and the concessions are expensive and it costs to park. And then this is the offense that they dial up. Yeah. It's hard. Sell out crowd every game sold out a month before the season began. And yeah. this is the end result. Yeah. It's not right. It's not right. And it can't go on. So. So it'll be an interesting day on Saturday. That's for sure. Or will it not be interesting? Will it be completely <laughs> boring? And it'll be three and a half hours of like, oh yeah, it's 55 to three. What did we expect? That was horrible. It could be that. You'll be counting punts potentially. You'll be like, ooh, they're 13 punts. Are they going to get to 16? <laughs> like this could be maybe the best chance that Iowa's had to get to that single game punting record. 
Yeah, they've got to let Ohio State has to score quick. So it's got to be like a lot of a lot of deep balls, um, a lot of catch and run kind of thing. Trayvon Henderson busts through a hole and runs 70 yards. You can't, if you're going to get the 16 punch, you can't let Ohio State march like 12 plays, five and a half minutes. That's not going to get it done. You got to no. turn it over. Boom, boom, boom. In and out, in and out. Touchdown punt, touchdown punt. That's how you get to 16. And you need to avoid any interceptions. So that oh, could be a big ask yeah. too. So right. that might be the biggest challenge is if there are four turnovers, which of course the four turnovers went the other way in 2017. But That's true. I will say Ohio State's defense does not force many turnovers. So that actually, I think they might be last in the Big Ten and, and turnovers force. So that's not actually, um, so that also is something in favor of, of the 16 punt quest. So if I were to bet, obviously I don't bet on college football, but if I were to bet, I would say if there was the over under on the 16, I would go with the under, but okay, but that could barely. be maybe the most interesting when I say interesting day on Saturday, that might be one of the more interesting parts of it. The Ohio state press box is separated. Like the home writers are on one press box and there's a big gap and the visiting writers are on the other. But if they're getting up there on punts, I'm going to run to the visiting side and just say nine. <laughs> I'm like, we'll just be 13. So, and you'll know what I mean. You'll know what I mean. Well, that will be the highlight of the trip to Columbus, along with getting to be in a city that has a little more population than Champaign or West Lafayette. Yeah, there's a good zoo here. So if you have time, go to the zoo. Okay. Somebody already brought up to me that there's an NHL game on a Saturday night. Oh. So we'll see. This game could be maybe out of reach early enough that you could actually get stuff done that fast. But yeah, there's two pro teams. Two pro teams in Columbus, Ohio State football and the Columbus Blue Jackets. You know, no MLS mention there. Oh, I forgot about the crew. People <laughs> love the crew. I'm not a soccer guy. I'm not a hockey guy either. But uh, yeah, but it's good. It's a growing city. They've, they're building like a big computer chip plant like 20 miles away. People are excited. Great. So yeah, come, uh, come go to the zoo, go to a hockey game. I'll drive you out to where they're building the computer chip plant and you'll have a lovely time. What could be better than the computer chip plant part? Oh, yeah. They broke, they broke in ground. I don't even understand. I don't understand it. So when I sell my house, eventually, maybe some computer guy will buy it and I'll make a little <laughs> extra money. So, you know, I used to report on business and now that it all just goes past me now. So, yeah, it's always gone past me because I've always been nothing but a dumb sports writer. <laughs> Well, Doug, looking forward to seeing you this weekend, and thanks for joining me on the podcast. Yeah, uh, just let the good people of Iowa know that I am I am with them, and uh, together, you guys will all get through this one way or another. And thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in to an entertaining episode of the Hawk Off the Press podcast. I'll be back with a post-game edition of the podcast with Mike. Until then, we will... Hawk Hawks later. Get a daily update from the Gazette with our daily news podcast. Add it to your podcast player or your Alexa-friendly device to get a bite-sized local news update each day. Check it out at thegazette.com slash podcasts.